0: Welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. It's delightful to have all of you here together on this Memorial Day weekend. If I haven't uh, met you yet, my name is Christian Lindbeck, uh, the lead of an outstanding pastoral team. Here at Hillcrest. Uh, We're glad to see you, especially if you are visiting for the first time on a holiday weekend, like bonus points to you. Uh, If you need any help today, just look for somebody that you see up here or out in the lobby or greeters and ushers, and uh, they'll be able to help you as soon as we can. Uh, As you've heard, we're just doing this one service all together. Uh, We've got lots of people who are participating in the ski to see, but we also just wanted to be out in our neighborhood. This is a great. Uh, neighborhood party, and we didn't want to be locked away as all of our community was out there. So our hope is that when you're done, if you can, you will go and be a part of what's happening in our community. Now, our youth would like me to remind you that they are using those parking lots uh, to raise money for their Houston missions trip. So if you want to stick around and park here, they would love to receive a donation from you. Uh, Otherwise, they'd love for you to move your car so that they can park somebody else uh, in it. So... um, Anyhow, uh, we're so proud of them and the work they do, and uh, we're glad to have you here at the tail end of Missions Emphasis Month, where we want to be very clear, this is a church on mission all year. We take one month to emphasize the people and places that move our heart, our mind, and our spirit towards the mission that we are on. Um, throughout the entire month, we have been driving the dialogue about Missions Month from two key scriptures. and. They're sort of obvious if you've been around for a missions month before, but the first is Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20 often known as the Great Commission, the final words of Jesus on earth as he spoke to his disciples, and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore I send you out to make disciples, that being the underlying point, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, i teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely, don't worry, I'll be with you, to the very end of the age. What age? That age of you going out to make disciples of all the nations. And we have uh, intimately wed Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20 with Acts 1-8. Now, they were given that commission, and then they were told to wait Because even though they had been with Jesus for three years and had, you know, been with them from breakfast to dinner and overnight, they still weren't ready because they were missing the equipping power of the Holy Spirit. And so we have intimately united it with Acts 1-8 where he told them, now I want you to wait because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and then you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we've seen these working together as we think about our local and our global mission uh, all month. Uh, this morning, what I'd like to do is I still have those be the bedrock of everything that we are teaching, but I'd like to add a layer that we haven't quite hit yet. And each one of these weeks, I think, has been a compelling like, reason for us to be on mission together. Uh, this week, I'd like to add the idea of urgency, that what we are doing is meant to be done as soon as we are able to do it. That he didn't send the disciples out like, hey, when you get around to it. Like, I know, John, this is the week you mow the grass. <laughs> like, he's like, I want you to go out now. I'm sending you on an urgent mission. Uh, Matthew 24, 14 is often used here to add a sense of urgency. And he says to them, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony To all nations, and then the end will come. In other words, it says, and then I will come back. In other words, my return is when I finalize the kingdom. Here's what gets us there, you being on the mission. To that, I'd like to add one that isn't usually associated. Matthew 16, 18. When he looks at Peter... And he says, I'm going to build my church on this rock, on humanity. This Peter Cephas, his name means rock, upon, this, upon humanity from here, from this church, from this movement. Uh, am I going to build my church? And then he says, and the gates of hell, of Hades, will not stand against it. Now, this, this means that he means to invade the enemy camp. Right? Not not just that uh it will exist there, but I mean to go in and we will knock down the gate. In other words, this is an active rescue mission, and the Lord, God, who made everyone, is keen. He's heartbroken, he desires to recover what is his. Have you ever thought about what a good word jealous is? Uh, we often put it in negative circumstance, but think about it this way: jealous is Uh, like zealous. In other words, it already belonged to me, and so I want it back, right? These are my children whom I desire to see hurt no more, uh, to not be away from me anymore, to not be ignorant of who I am anymore. I send you out with urgency. The the gates of hell won't stand against it. I send you on an urgent recovery mission. Now, I want to tell you that the generations in particular... The generation before us, the generation and generations of the last 100 years, particularly in America, really listened to and responded to this message. In fact, they were committed to the greatest evangelism ever seen on the face of the earth. Uh, We could spend hours telling stories about the missionary movements that sprang up over the past 100 years. But let me just tell you a couple that I think aren't even extraordinary. They're just a great example of the kind of zeal that people had for making sure others who did not know the name of Jesus would hear it. I don't know if this is a name you're familiar with, but Gladys Aylward. Is that one a name you've heard before? Some, some, yes, some no. Uh, you would have never heard about her if she had not done what she did. She was born uh, to a very working class family. Uh, her career right away became a housemaid or a housekeeper. but early on, she was determined to go to mission. So she applied to the China Inland mystery, uh, uh, China inland missionary movement, and uh, extraordinary missionary movement was its own story. and they turned her down because she didn't have the education or the preparation for it. She was heartbroken by it, but she persisted to decide that she was going to go. She had this great determination. So at the age of 30, she just spent her life savings and got on a steamer. People used to do that. Missionary agencies do not let you do that anymore. Uh, she just took off to go to Yangcheng. She didn't even get all the way. Uh, she ended up having to walk the final, where her train broke down. She had to walk the final way to her destination. When she gets there, she gets involved in government work, Uh, She works with this older gal. They form an inn that makes this enormous difference of evangelism. Um, She actually works for the government, going out, teaching people to stop binding the feet of their girl children. Uh, She gets in incredible trouble for that. She's constantly under resistance, sometimes violence. Uh, She actually became a Chinese citizen in 1936, revered among the people, taking in orphans, adopting several herself, intervening in uh, riots and government work, loved by the people of China. When uh, Japan invaded China, she led 100 orphans by herself safely over the mountains. Uh, When she left and went back to Britain, she tried to go back to China 10 years later. They denied her entry, so she went to Taiwan and opened an orphanage there uh, where she saved hundreds of children over her life uh, until she died in the 70s. Just this extraordinary account of faithfulness. And she says at the end, listen to this, I wasn't God's first choice for what I've done in China. I don't know who was, it must have been a man, a well-educated man, I don't know what happened, perhaps he died, (laughs) perhaps he wasn't willing, and God looked down and he saw Gladys Aylward, and God said, well, she's willing, and she went. Uh, You guys probably know Eric Lydell, that's a a much more known name, maybe you don't know him by name, but you know him by the movie Chariots of Fire. I feel the Lord's pleasure when I run. That guy, right? Uh, and we all know, maybe if you know his story, he was in Paris and he was supposed to run the 100 meter, but they wanted to run that heat on Sunday. He said, I'm a devout Christian. It's my Sabbath. I won't do it. Uh, and so he decided to train for the 400 meter, when the four, uh, four times his usual run, his sprint. Uh, he hadn't had a great time before that, but when he gets to that, sticks to it, before he begins the race, one of the trainers there hands him a note first samuel 220 that says those who honor me i will honor says the lord he goes out there and he runs the first hundred meters like a sprint and the second hundred meters and the third hundred meters and the fourth of those hundred meters and sets a world record time that's held for the next 12 years he honored god he ran it now he's famous for that he's not as much famous as the next year he left to go on mission in china So in 1925, he left. He served faithfully in China. 16 years later, again, during the Japanese uh, invasion, he kept kids alive. He was imprisoned. He was an evangelist in prison. In fact, when he died in prison, all the people there said it left a great vacuum. The children wept for the loss of Eric Lydell, who laid down his life for the cause of Christ. And he said his last words, his friend says, his last words to him with joy was, Mine is a complete surrender. He says, many of us are missing something in life because we are after the second best. We're all missionaries. Wherever we go, we either bring people nearer to Christ or we repel them from Christ. Um, Again, I could do this for a long time, but Jim Elliott, is that a name that rings a bell? Yeah, Jim Elliott's most famous for his quote, He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He wrote that because he was going on an insane mission. Uh, he, all through college, he had this call to go to the Ecuadorian jungle. He finally flew in, found the place out to the Aka Indians. Uh, they were known to be dangerous. He made inroads. Turns out one of the tribesmen lied about him. And all, he and the missionaries with him were slaughtered. Now you would think, oh, that might be the end of that story, except for they didn't give up. In fact, his wife went back with their kids and other relatives. And because of their faithfulness to go back, that island has been won for Christ. It's full of the gospel. Uh, These formerly uh, were well known as a dangerous tribe... ...are well known as an accepting tribe... ...because the word of God has come to them. No fool to give up what he cannot keep... ...to gain what he cannot lose. And because of the faithfulness of this generation... We are right now, you and I are living in the greatest era of Christian growth and expansion in history. Did you know that? Incomparable. Like if you took all the expansion and growth of Christianity up until the last hundred years, it's not even remotely close. And let me share with you, as that stays up there, a couple of statistics. In 1900, that's not that long ago, so the turn of the century that we're talking about, um... Most Christians lived in Europe and America. In fact, only 5% of the world's Christians lived in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Asia, Asia, Africa, and Latin America, 5%. Today, 75%. Are you hearing that? The the church is growing around the world. 75% of the world's Christians live in those places. In 1900, Africa was 3% Christian. Today, it is more than 50% Christian. Did you know that in Africa, the church is growing four times faster than the population is growing? There are, listen, 20,000 new believers every day. In China, in 1950, China had closed its doors to missionaries. At that point, there were 1 million Christians. Today there are 70 million Christians. Projected to be 160 million Christians in the next few years. China will soon be the largest Christian nation on the face of the earth. From closed door, by the way, to the largest senders of missionaries in the world. Did you know that China prints more Bibles than any nation in the world? The government-owned press prints 60. Million Bibles and sends them around the world. The nation where you couldn 't get a Bible into now is sending the most Bibles out into the whole world. Brazil has grown in 1960 had two million Christians in 2010 there are fifty two million Christians, one of the largest evangelical populations in the world, it has over a hundred mission agencies that sends two thousand missionaries to eighty five countries around the world. Impossible places have opened now. Uh, Christianity and South Korea are considered to be synonymous. It wasn't long ago it was considered impossible that Christianity would ever reach Korea. But now Korea is one of the largest missionary sending organizations in the world. More than 30% of the population are Christian. There are 3,000 churches in Seoul alone. I'm going to just a couple more. But did you know that more Iranians have come to Christ since 1980? ...than the previous 1,000 years combined. Do you know that by percentage... ...it has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world? 19.6% a year. Before you make single simple pictures of these nations... ...our brothers and sisters are one of the fastest growing in Iran. Um, Muslims... Are increasingly coming to faith is i'm going to talk about that in a moment is there difficulty yes is there intense persecution for those who leave islam yes but missions organizations report that radio television and the internet have been key and a prime agency working in that window says more muslims have come to christ in the past 10 years than the past 15 centuries of islam How about Bible translation? Did you know that we have translated 83% of the languages on the face of the earth? There are only 1,700 languages to go. We have teams on the field working on it. They translate about 109 languages a year. That means there are fewer than 20 years to go before we have translated the Bible into every language on the face of the earth. Christianity is right now and still the world's fastest growing religion by conversion. 30% of the world identifies as Christian. 40% have access but have not responded. In 1960, there were 89 million evangelical Christians in the world. That just means Bible-believing Christians. By 2016, that number will be more than 620 million. Every day, more than 45,000 people come to Christ and 3,500 churches are opened every week. Sometimes you think you belong to a dying movement because you are locked in your own perspective and in this tiny world when you don't realize this is an explosive movement across the world that God's doing more than he has ever done because of the faithfulness of those who came before us. There's literally a dizzying array of facts. I could go on. But I want you to know that it's an exciting time to be a Christian and on mission. Uh, If I could say, like I said, that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The gates of hell are knocked down and the devil is on the ropes. I mean, we are literally doing the work, the pinnacle, truly marvelous there. And it's fascinating to me that the largest missionary organizations now are Korea, China, and South America. That's where we went. We went, and now they went. Astounding time. I think, however, it shines a glaring light on the challenges for our generation. You see, we are celebrating the work of our grandparents and parents. The question now is, what will our generation do? There are still... 41% of the world who are totally unreached. Hasn't that, after I gave you that fact, isn't it amazing that 41% of the world can be totally unreached? They don't have it, nobody's talking to them. 3.2 billion people without Jesus. Now, it's going to get real focused here in a second. 3.2 billion, there are more martyrs for Christ in the 20th century than all the previous centuries combined. Are you hearing that? Because often you think to yourself, oh, martyrs are what you... Now is when people are being killed for the cause of Christ. And why? How could that be? How could there be so many? I'm going to show you how there could be so many. That window right there, coming up. Boom, that one. Many of you know it, that's called the 1040 window. It's a painful area of focus where the church must admit something. that That window probably demonstrates for us as much of our bias, fears, as it does resistance in those nations. Because here in that window lives 60% of the world's population. Almost all of the world's Muslims. Did you know that 86% of Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists, 86% of Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists have never met a Christian Many are poor, a tendency to low human rights, and I want you to hear this just as we consider it. Currently, about one penny of every mission dollar goes to reaching these areas because there's hostility. Right there in that window 3.2 billion people, 1.7 billion Muslims. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? And I think this is where we say to ourselves, the task is passed to us. That the greatest season of mission work ever is being passed on to us. And it is our turn to carry that call. In the same way that our forefathers and foremothers and those who came before us the great cloud of witnesses in particular the generation before us led it is now our time to carry the mission this is a great church on mission but the sense of urgency as it is a filter over what we typically make urgent acts 13:47 says for the lord gave us this command he said i have made you a light to the gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. But we must take that baton from Eric Lydell, right? And run our leg of the race. And now is not the time for us to rest on the work of our parents or grandparents. Now is the time for us to engage the mission on the streets of Bellingham, where the cause is slipping. In the halls of Western Washington University and Whatcom and Skagit. And to India and in Indonesia... Myanmar and Doha and Dubai, where we must go, where we've been sent. Remember, we are not selling snake oil, we are taking the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope of life, the transformation of the world. It does good wherever it goes good for the person, good for the community, good for the economy. Christianity is a civilization builder. Where we take it, we take something good. And the job is doable. And I I think that's what I most wanted us to hear this morning. That we are like the generation in this building right now, those sitting in this room and those kids downstairs, this could be the generation that completes the task. We could be looking at the faces right now that are the bookend of a mission that began 2,000 years ago. I mean, we're within reach we almost have all the language translated. We have reached a great span of the world. Huge new partners in the mission of Jesus Christ are leading the way. And if you go to China right now, they're like, they, we, they are pushing their way back around the globe to get back to Jerusalem would be the way they say it. With a great missionary zeal and they're looking for us. ...to partner with them. And I just think our opportunities are so exciting. They're already coming into our country. Uh, This is a country made up of the nations. Uh, But continually more people come as immigrants and refugees... ...and students, students right here. And we ask ourselves this question, will we reach them? Um, Some of us despise social media, YouTube, and the internet... ...but it is the greatest tool that has ever been at our fingertips... ...for the distribution of the good news and the gospel... And when you see the window, the scale can be discouraging, but I want to encourage you that it's quite the opposite. America is already in all of those places uh, because we have sent all of our products there, right? Uh, Businesses are there. GE is there. Apple is there. Computers are there. Coca-Cola is there. I'm going to say if Coca-Cola can make it to Dubai, so can we. Uh, We have the same will as a corporation... They have the good news of sugary soda. We have the good news of life. It can be done. And I just think that the harvest is plentiful. The workers remain few. And many of the workers, much of us, our attention is taken with things and entertainment and so-called normal life. So at the end of missions month, I just wanted us to pause and think, what have they done? And what is our call? To look at the witnesses of those who've come before us and to be inspired and encouraged. And as my grandfather, I think, would have said, to get a spine and get on it. And so at the end of this month, I just want to ask you these four, will you? Will you go? Will you go? guess what it's going to take first? Some, as we talked about last week, who are willing to go uh, to leave hearth, home, family, safety, American dream, and go. Um, One of the organizations that fascinates me is called Live Dead, right? Is this the least invitational name you've heard? (laughs) Isn't it awesome that it's growing? I I just love it. It's like like when uh, the early church formed and Ananias and Sapphira were killed in the church for lying. And it says the people were full of fear and the church grew daily. I I love that people say we have laid down our life that we might live as though we were already dead, that people might come to Christ. And people say that, that's what I want to do. I want to go there. I want to be with them, compelled by the urgency of the mission. Will you go? Um, Tim pointed you to the connection card earlier if you would you grab that would you hold on to the connection card again in fact i want you to have two things in your hand would you grab the connection card and that uh, pledge card for those of you who make hillcrest your home and maybe you brought it back maybe you have it but having both of those in your hand if you would think like if when we all month have been talking about going and you think oh no, i'm terrified that might be me <laughs> like it might be me like maybe i'm supposed to go would you write on there, go? Like, if you're, if you're ready to go and you need to talk to somebody, put two lines underneath it. Like, I'm ready to go. If you're, like, go and you're not so sure, put a question mark next to it. Go? Maybe? Because uh, we've got great people who would love to talk to you. If you cannot go, will you send? And the answer for all of us should be yes. I should have like a head nodding thing in here, like all nod right now, ready, raise your right hand, nod your head up and down. If you will not go, will you send? Yes, thank you, is your answer. For how will they go if no one will send? Romans ten fourteen is prime for this, and it says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? You see, missions is not something a missionary does. It's something we do. It's a team effort, right? Have you ever thought about that? No one gets to sit on the bench for the missions effort. There's no like, I'm sitting this one out. You just choose your position. If you are unwilling to go... And I, I'm, I I have gone to Bellingham. That's my window, right? know, I, I haven't felt called to go somewhere else. But all the rest of this list belongs to you. If we, everything a missionary gives is because we give. And um, it takes this multiplied generosity of all of us being involved, not a heroic effort of a few rich business people who are sitting out here, but all of us holding the rope together multiplies this effort. And it seems large. I mean, until you see what Jesus can do. Remember when Jesus took the bread and he multiplied it and fed 5,000 people? Right? A great miracle of provision. Well, God is ready to do that right now through another miracle called the exchange rate. Yeah. The, the dollar here is amazing around the world. I've been in places in the world where $7,000, what will $7,000 get you here? A family vacation. Uh, yeah, you know that's the truth, you Hawaii lovers. Uh, a moderate vehicle. In some parts of the world, it will build a church that lasts for a hundred years. Like you can equip the entire church for $7,000. We've watched whole buildings go up, be equipped and full of people for less than 10 grand. That is the multiplication of what we bring to the table. A little bit of our faithfulness can multiply so much around the world. And so all month we've been talking and nobody wants, you know, I don't know if that's not true. I I overstated that. To, for me to lean into this, like, hey, you know, as your family prays about this, we're very, it's usually a very kind of soft touch thing, like, pray about it, see what God is leading you to do, but we want to go above and beyond our normal, regular giving to this organization, that we might reach other people, that we might be involved in the mission. Do you remember the list of 12 unsent people? Guess what I would love to do? How about you? How about send them? Yeah. Uh, that all happens from here. And so writing that number down on there, this, I want you to think about what it represents, It says to you and to your kids and to your family, these are my priorities. This is what I'm about. This is what we're doing. Um, Oh, Christian thought of things to say, and then the little switch that sometimes works in his head stopped him. But whatever you're investing in your life, and if it is multiples larger than this number, consider that for a moment. I I want us as an organization. We are a wonderful missionary sending organization. If we excel at anything, let it not be that people think, "Man, that's a neat building," or "Wow, you guys are great at worship." Or, you know, if we excel anything, I want them to say, "What a generous missionary sending church!" Would that not be our sending capacity? Be our number one thing. I want to urge you this week. Hold that. If you've not been doing it all month, pray. Look at it with your kids and. That is an act of faith that is sending the missionaries who are accomplishing the greatest work that we are in the midst of right now. And we're going to collect those today. Tim's going to collect them today. But I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks to be able to say we've done it again, friends. And when the celebration Sunday comes up to say, hey, we made a pledge. We just happened to blow that away by about you know six or seven times of what we had pledged. Thank you for your immense faithfulness. And my family, we join with you in making that same kind of sacrificial gift. Uh, the last two are really quick. And I, I often look at this and sometimes people go, will you go or will you send? And then pray to me sometimes feels like a consolation. Well, I can't go and I'm in college, so I'm broke. So you're welcome to what's left on my lunch card, you know. Uh, uh, and like pray was somehow third. Maybe pray should be one, right? Like, p- please pray. Like, know them. Read the faces. Pray. Prayer is what opens doors. Prayer is what like, moves nations. Our intimacy and our connection to God is precisely what will change this. In fact, our money and our people without our prayer will get demolished. If, 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 the, if the people don't go covered in prayer, this is like, why build a building if God does not build it? We are first. So I want you to think of this chief priority. That you would pray, that you connect our hearts and our minds to these people. Um, we have a resource back there today. It's a guide to frontier people. It was given to us by the Prayer Center, uh, the Lighthouse Prayer Center. If you want to grab one, I think there's like 35, but it's kind of it's there's 35 uh, frontier countries those whom you could unite in prayer. Uh, and commitment with, if you want to be that kind of a praying person and you want to be working in that 1040 window in your heart and mind, uh, that guide will be a great uh, help to you. The last one is everybody can also be an advocate. And for the guy that preached a message on the evils of technology and social media, I didn't say really the evils, I just said they're dangerous, right? Um, I also want you to understand how powerful they are. And you think to yourself, how can I be an advocate for missions? I'm I'm, going to walk downtown and tell people about it, knock on my neighbor's doors. Well, yes, I would love both of those. Um, But a really easy way you can do it is social media is full of garbage. Sometimes you're contributing to that garbage, by the way, either in watching it. When you watch it, somebody paid for a click or in sharing it. But let me help you out here. Build up the kingdom of God on the Internet. Share encouraging stories about the mission share encouraging words about Jesus, populate your space, click, share good information, be an advocate for the work of Jesus in your life, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your kids, and in all the channels that you touch. I am not going to ramp you up into a fervor today, although it is tempting. I'm just going to say it so simple. It's our turn. It is our turn it's our turn and it is possible and there is an enemy who will try to discourage and distract us don't you dare young people buy the american dream it's it is a fleece it's a sham it is a lie it is soul destroying and emptying there's nothing to it You will pay bills and mow your lawn until you die. Or you will lay it all down. Be on the mission that makes a difference, that saves lives, that feeds children, that takes women out of sex trafficking, that rescues their kids, that builds houses, that builds churches, that provide hope and help. And you will enjoy that now and into eternity the father who made you and is desperate to send you out will say well done good and faithful servants it is our turn The job is possible our kids can be the generation that complete the job if we will have the will amen Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.